Amen. So uh, we ended last week, and as is our practice, where we leave off, we pick up the next week. And so where we're at here is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And I'll do my best uh, to get through uh, this chapter because I believe that the, you know, that the Lord uh, wants us to cover all this. And, and uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll try not to get off on too many rabbit trails or, or talk too much on one thing. But, you know, whatever the Lord leads is what's going to happen here. So verse 17 is where we left off, and it says, The just shall live by faith. And we, we talked about that, the life we have in Christ because of faith, right? And we are called to live lives full of faith. So uh, there's, there's a great, um, you know, the, the meaning of that is the just, those that have been justified uh, by the blood of Christ and, and, and the fact that we have faith in him, that we will live because of that faith we have in Christ and for what Christ has done for us. So we will live because of the faith that is in us and, and that is in the Son of God. So uh, that's the, the key verse of the entire letter. So as we go through and, and we see where Paul is, he's speaking very pointedly here on some pretty um, deep topics, some very, especially in today's world, very controversial topics that we're going to get into. I want everybody to understand I hold no hatred in my heart toward those of the homosexual community at all. I, I know and love people that uh, are, are living in that lifestyle and that sin, and, and I love them very much. Uh, but I can't, I can't go against what the Word of God says, where the, where the Word of God speaks against those things. So understand, as we study, this isn't a, uh, a, a study condemning uh, those individuals where I, where I hope that they die uh, and, and then suffer the consequences of rejecting God in their life. No, I want them to come to faith. I want them to be restored, as it said in 1 Corinthians 6, which we'll get into. You know, that God can remove us from any type of lifestyle and save us. So uh, understand that from the beginning as we get into this. Uh, because when we get to controversial topics, uh, there are some that hold different views. And I hope that we hold a biblical view here gathered together uh, this morning. That's that's what we're, uh, we're called to do as Christians, is that we get our life views and our belief from the Word of God. Uh, so there isn't a, a hatred or condemnation coming uh, from me as I speak about these things. But it's the Word of God, and we're going to let that uh, dictate uh, what we, we study and uh, as we move forward through the Scriptures. So um, picking up in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and foolish hearts uh, their thoughts and foolish hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened, I should say. Sorry about that. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the, un of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So these first verses that we're discussing here, uh, Paul starts in, in, in he's, as he's continuing to just shall live by faith, and then he picks up right, right here, uh, in verse 18, uh, and here's the, here's the case that's starting to be laid out. So if we consider we're in a courtroom, and this is Paul with, with his chance as the prosecutor to present the case against mankind for its rejection of God. 
for the knowledge of God and the rejection of that knowledge of God. So uh, it's it's quite a thing. So uh, as as we're here, as we're going through, just consider this an opening argument. Uh, so this is the beginning of the opening argument, right? Because he's going to continue through. Uh, we're just going to uh, hopefully get to verse 32 and stop there this morning. And I encourage you, go home and read ahead, study ahead, and do all those things. Uh, but but when we uh, when we're here, just consider if you if you would put our our our, our mindset like we're in a courtroom as as he's writing these things. So uh, Paul is saying here that the wrath of God is is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The wrath of God is the greatest peril that man faces today. There are many things that we'll see in the news or we'll hear in conversation that people say are the biggest thing that we've got to worry about, right? Uh, some will cling to global warming, okay? And uh, they'll say that's the biggest thing facing mankind, that, that, that uh, you know, mankind is, is, is facing and, and uh, might experience if things don't get better. Some will say it's hate, war, poverty, um, those types of things. The, the, the biggest peril that, that mankind faces is the wrath of God. Consider he's the creator, right? He, he's the creator of all these things. He's in charge of everything. And it, the wrath of God is the greatest thing that we uh, would ever have to fear. As we get into this and we continue here in verse 18, we understand that Paul is explaining, he's showing the need for righteousness, right? We just said that, that the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. So uh, when we understand the, the argument and, and really the, the essence of the argument is the need for righteousness as we move forward, uh, we understand that the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul is proving man's guilt before God. Now, when it says ungodliness, uh, we could look at that as man's offenses uh, to God, toward God, the things that we have done wrong uh, toward God, and uh, in unrighteousness, man's offenses against man. Consider the Ten Commandments, right? The first four address God's relationship with man. And uh, the, the last uh, six have to do with man's relationship with man. And, and how we conduct ourselves and how we can wrong each other, right? So what's being brought up here is unrighteousness and uh, and ungodliness. You know, those those two things are pretty uh, pretty powerful. Those are big words uh, to use here. Uh, and, and what we see further in these verses, in verses 18 through 20, is explaining an intelligence of man, that man knew God. And human history began with man knowing God. And then, the, then came uh, the rejection of God. And, you know, man uh, essentially didn't want to know God. They, there was, there was the the breakdown as we go through, and we studied uh, Genesis together, and uh, we're now in Exodus, and we'll continue those. That's our uh, Wednesday night study. Uh, as as we're going through, we see the decline, right? Where where God set everything up, and then it didn't take long for man to fail, right? That's just how things work because we want our we want to obey our own flesh and, and what we desire over the word of God. And that's that's the greatest problem that we face is we want to serve ourselves rather than serve God. And what this is saying is that the wrath of God is being poured out on the world that's rejected him, where even the fact where it says here, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And, and as we continue through here, it's going to be quite a I mean, this is quite a case. Can you imagine uh, and, and consider ourselves as the, the defendant, right? You know, we can do this uh, as a whole, as, as mankind, or even individually. 
where we can look and go, oh, wow, that just kicked me right in the spiritual teeth, right? Because I, I, that's me. I, I was there. Uh, you know, this, this was me. It's, it seems like it's speaking right to me. Verse 20 says, First, uh, for since the creation of the world, this is interesting, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Invisible, clearly seen. That's uh, when, when, you, when you consider uh, what's, what's being said there. What, what isn't uh, visible is clearly seen. And uh, we're going to dive into that here as, as we uh, continue through. But the, the fact that uh, there is no thankfulness, uh, as it says, uh, as we continued here, there's no thankfulness or glorifying him as God, as verse 21 says, that, uh, that there's a, uh, it got to a point of depravity where uh, man no longer wanted to glorify God or even thank him because thanking him actually means that he exists. And if he exists, then we're accountable to him. So you see the vicious cycle that happens. Right. So so as we're we're looking at this and we're going to dive into a lot of these these statements a little bit further as we go through here. But we see mankind saw seeking their own desires and turned and rejected the truth. And it says here that not only rejecting it, but suppressing it in unrighteousness, suppressing the truth, pushing it down is what that means. That that means right. Suppressing the truth. This is the truth. I don't want to accept it. So I'm just going to push it down here. And I'm going to keep it low. I don't want it up here where it's confronting me and I can see it or I can hear it. I want to suppress this. I want to turn the radio down when the truth, if we want to look at it that way. We have the ability, right? If somebody's speaking truth and we hear it on the radio, we don't want to hear or speaking anything. We have the ability to suppress that by turning it down, right? We can do that spiritually, and that's what mankind did. Man knew the truth about God but did not want to allow it to rule and reign in our hearts. Suppressed it, held it down is what's being explained here. So if we're, if we're suppressing that, it means that we're allowing, we're suppressing this and we're allowing our own will uh, to come up. We don't want to accept it as the truth of God because then we're going to be convicted. All right, so verse 20, uh, it, where uh, it's, it's talking here, uh, the, the invisible attributes being clearly seen, being understood by um by the things that are made his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, without excuse. Uh, we are created. Uh, if you've been lied to, which, you know, if you've gone to school, <laughs> any of us have ever gone to school, if, unless you were raised in a Christian school that, that taught creationism, we were lied to. We were told, I mean, you can look at it as like this big mud puddle and, you know, electricity hits it and, and, uh, it's funny because you think of the law of thermodynamics, right? Things are, are, are breaking down. Second law of thermodynamics. There's, there's a breaking down of things, right? Well, what happens with that then? Because this is somehow that gets overlooked, right? Uh, because it's a lie. It's a lie straight from hell that has been bought and, and saying that we came from nothing. That when we can look around and, and understand, you know, uh, all around us that, that we were made by the eternal one. It's and, and you guys have heard me say this, and I'll, I'll use the same type of examples because they're my. I, you guys know I'm not a scientific mind, um, so all I need is some of the common sense things, like the fact that I can see and, and the scientific things that happen. I have rods and cones that are, you know, I don't know how many cones are in my brain. We all have a lot, like hundreds of millions or something like that. Okay, we got a lot of them, right? 
And they allow us to see. And the fact that what we see is upside down and that it, when, when uh, what we see goes to the back of our brain, gets flipped, and then we can, and we can see it. And that we can see when our eyes are closed, right? When we can imagine things, right? They're just some of those basics. The fact that we can see. The fact that I'm, I'm talking right now. That I'm bringing in air. That I have lungs to contain that air. And that I can control how that air comes out. And it hits my vocal cords. And then I can move my tongue and my lips. And open my mouth. And, and just some of the, it's, it's, it's too basic. I don't have enough faith to not believe that we have a creator. You see what I mean? There's just that. It's, it's a crazy thing. I know you've heard me say some of these things. But, but it's... Because his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Just just think. Like, we don't see the atoms that are holding things together. I know they're all moving. Like I said, didn't pay attention. Protons, neutrons, that's all I know. Atom, proton, neutron, that's all I know. And they all move around and stuff. I got to get better. Maybe I got to read, uh, you know, sharpen some, uh, some scientific things. But I know that we have scientific stuff that holds us together, right? Right? I know. It's funny, right? God has built us, right? He's given us DNA. He's given us bones, right? Can you imagine us without bones? We're just blobs on the ground, right? It's, it's foolishness to think that when, when the things that we can't necessarily see, right? And, and, and that can be a lot of different things. I'm just focusing on these things because this is all I need. Uh, where I can sit here and go, no, we were. there's too much order here, right? Uh, and, and the fact that we have what we need, that we have, we're talking about feelings, right? We can't be led by those things, but we do have emotions. God gives us emotions to deal with things. Sometimes we, we can't control our emotions, and we've got to learn how to deal with those so that we can deal with things correctly. But there's too much going on that speak of a intelli an intelligent designer. If someone wants to have an argument from there, that's great. I really have a hard time believing that anybody is an atheist. That they believe that, that everybody came from. I, I have an hard time. Not I, you, you can sit here. We can argue about I hope not. I really don't want to argue about it later. But I'll just say it up here because it sounded better, right? But the, the fact that, that people uh, can, can say that, no, we're not created by any. There is no eternity. There's nothing. I, I, I have a hard time with that, too. So is it like when the lights are out, we're done? We get put in a box and, and nothing happens from there? No. No, we're told differently in the Scripture. Right, so when we consider the, the eternal one, you know, consider this. Uh, where are we? Um, Psalm one nineteen. Sorry, Psalm nineteen, verses one through four. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Not like that. No speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and the words to uh, their words to the end of the earth, uh, into the world. Uh, in them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, and it continues on from there. But just just to understand, I might have said verses one through four. I, I hope that's that's verses that is verses one through four. Uh, here, just look separate. Um, I, I copy and pasted that from something that I don't usually use in my study and put that in there. That's why it's throwing me off a little bit. Um, but when we when we look at that, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows handiwork. It, it's all right there. It can be rejected. People can can willfully reject those things. But but it, it really can't be denied. You know, if it's being denied, it's it's not being denied by somebody who has a serious desire to really dive into it and go, wait a minute, there's too much order. The fact that we get 
you know, sunlight and that we get rain when we need it. And just all of the, there's, there's too much uh, going on here. These invisible attributes, they're, they're, and like I said, these are just some examples I'm saying with uh, invisible attributes here. And it goes on to say that, with, that, that we are without excuse, or they are without excuse. The general revelation of a creator leaves man without an excuse. There's no excuse. Okay, so is, is there a creator and who is he? So that's that's what should should happen. But don't we love excuses? <laughs> we love to be able to justify what we want to believe and what we want to do. Um, and our sinful nature wants to negotiate with us. You can really have this. It's really not that bad. That person's sinning more than you are, right? There, there are those things that we like for excuses that will allow us to continue in a certain lifestyle. We're not called to excuses. We're called to obedience to the Lord. So when we, when we uh, consider where this is saying that, that man is without excuse, you know, the, the, no matter whether we like it or not, we're without excuse. You know, what's being addressed here is because of the love for self and sin and refusing to glorify God as God, refusing to thank him, as it, as it even says. Uh, you know, that, that would, as I said earlier, if we're, if we're glorifying as God and we're thanking him, then we come to the problem of, okay, if, if there is a God, am I accountable to him? And the answer would that be, biblically, yes, we're accountable to him. And then, okay, what are, what are his standards? Well, I don't like those standards, right? You know, that, that's our sinful nature, doesn't like God's standard. You know, be holy, for I am holy. Whoa. You know, that, that's God's standard. That's what it is. We, as sinful men and women, can't get there on our own. We need the blood of Christ to cover us, right? To wash us free from our sin. To, that we would stand in his holiness and in his, his righteousness. But our, our conduct should be holy. We should be uh, you know, conducting ourselves uh, you know, with our relationship with the Lord and with fellow man uh, as he calls us to in a, in a holy manner. So th what we're reading here is a, <clears throat> speaking of a willful rejection of God and his word, because we don't want to continue uh, uh, in what he has to say. We want to continue uh, in our sin without accountability. So Paul's explaining a moral decline and that has resulted in the wrath of God. Now, considering the wrath of God's not out of control. Like you think of man's wrath when someone gets wrathful, that can be something being ripped apart. That can be, you know, what does that look like? It's often sinful. Right. Uh, God's wrath is perfect wrath because he is perfect. So he ha it, where God is righteous, uh, you know, he's he's um, what this is explaining is that his anger is aroused by sinful and deliberate rejection of him and of his word. You know, why? Because uh, why? Why would he be wrathful over that? Because it destroys our relationship with him. And it shows an ungratefulness in our hearts. Uh, and uh, when we're seeking after sin, or as Paul is saying, overall that mankind sought after sin rather than rather than God, and and it comes to a point where uh, he's just saying, now you're facing the wrath of God. God doesn't want things to come between him and his creation. You know, consider consider right. Any of us that that have little ones in our lives, whether they're our children, whether they're our family's children, whatever, is there anything that's going to come between you and them that you know is going to destroy them or or bring them harm? No, right? There's the saying, right? Under over my dead body, I'm going to have to die before you get to my wife and children. 
that I, I will lay down my life. That, uh, many of us can just say, you know what, for my loved ones, I'm going to lay down my life uh, for them. You know, consider, where does that come from? It comes from God. God gives us that desire that we would want good and we'd want safety of those. So when we understand the wrath of God, God's saying, what's going on here? I'm trying. I, I want to call. You know, I'm calling out to you and you're not listening. And, and we're going to get into more of that as we as we go through. Some think that the God is solely just a wrath, uh, is a God of wrath. You know, in, in conversation, I've had this uh, conversation with some people. Where they're like, oh, the Old Testament, you guys know this, you've heard this before, if you attend here regularly. The Old Testament, God's a God of wrath, and then there's a different God. It's like he's, you know, light switch change or God changed. There's no variation or shadow of turning in God. He doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's If, if anybody who says that hasn't really read the Old Testament because it's full of grace... Right? You're looking and you're like, wow, they just did that? You know, David just sinned. He stole this man's wife and had him murdered. You know, and, and God didn't wipe him out. That's a God of grace and mercy and justice, right? He did He did face a penalty for that. There's there's so much that, that the Lord revealed in the Old Testament of, of his grace and mercy. But understanding the characteristics of God, and if we want to understand the characteristics of God, we have to look at, we can look at Jesus Christ. You know, when we get into the New Testament, what is God like? You can take them right to uh, any of the uh, Old Testament, New Testament books, and in the Old Testament. But if, if somebody like, who is Jesus? Like, well, he's he's the very uh, express image of of God the Father. And it, a, a few verses uh, are uh, Hebrews chapter one verse three says uh, that Jesus is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Colossians one fifteen says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So if we wonder who God is and what his mannerisms are, just even in the conversation, you could take him to one of the Gospels and say, okay, let's look at how Jesus dealt with this. That's how God is. That's it, because Jesus is God, his characteristics. So when we're talking about the wrath of God, remember what Jesus did when he's driving out those, the money changers uh, in in. Uh, the temple, because they're ripping people off and they're stealing from them. They're stealing and they're discouraging them from, from worshiping the Lord and the joy that they could have in worshiping the Lord because they're getting ripped off. Oh, hey, I see you brought your own goat, uh, your, uh, your own uh, lamb today. Unfortunately, <clears throat> throw a little spot on it. It has a spot on it, right? So you can't have that one. So you need to buy the temple one and you can't use your own money. You need to have temple currency. There were those things that they were being taken advantage of. And what was Jesus? That was the wrath of God being being just described uh, even in there. The anger coming out of wait, you're stopping people from worshiping God. And what did he do? He whipped their butts, literally, right? Drove them right out. God's wrath uh, is the result of those that are refusing the truth, a willful ignorance, if you want to look at it that way, a willful ignorance of his uh, his. Truth. Now we'll get into verse 25 here, but it's the, not only uh, ignoring God and, and rejecting God and his truth, it's embracing the lie, which we'll see in verse 25. So uh, we, what's being described here is man exalting himself and in so doing uh, uh, experienced destruction. Finally, man became like beasts, uh, abandoning the truth. It's a systemic uh, decline that we see 
that was uh, being described here by Paul, right? He's in that, that courtroom and he's explaining these things. Uh, knowing that what we're doing is wrong, uh, but still doing it anyways. That's suppressing the truth. It's really the exact what's being painted here by Paul is the exact opposite of what was happening in John the Baptist's heart when he said he must increase and I must decrease. You know, what the problem is there's more of us and less of him, right? It's that exact opposite of, of the heart of John the Baptist when he said that. More of us and, and less of him. And then it digresses even more from there. Do you guys remember, you ever hear Will uh, hear the song? You guys know the song, I Exalt Thee? I exalt thee, I exalt thee, oh Lord. I probably sang it out of key or anything, okay? Deal with it. Maybe we can edit that out. But there's the, uh, Will has, uh, has shared, and it's hilarious. I exalt me, I exalt me. Right? He's doing that. And I exalt me. Oh, me. Right? And that's what's happening. That's what Paul is saying is happening, is that man wanted to reject anything they knew about, about God. The knowledge of God, who he is, that God exists. And I, you know what? I just want to do my own thing. In today's world, it would be you do you. Just go off and you live your own life. As long as you're not hurting anybody, then you're okay. That's not spiritually true. That's not biblically true. Right? And if we're saying those things to somebody... We're giving them ungodly advice. We can't look at somebody and be like, hey, just live however you want. Go, okay, if you talk to a Satanist, what's the number one you know, rule or law of Satanism? Do as thou wilt, and you shall fulfill the, the, the whole of the law, I think they say. That's like the number one thing. Just do what you want to do. Tell me that's not a satanic message that mankind embraced, right? Still very much alive and well, that, that I exalt me, more of us and less of him. It says that it, it, in our reading, professing to be wise, they became fools. In exalting self uh, became foolish and, and cheapening the glory of the incorruptible God uh, into an image like corruptible man. Corruptible man, right? The decline in, and you see here the decline in worship from man to birds to beasts to bugs. You know, and uh, just think of those. You guys know that over in, in India, they, they worship, there's uh, the worship of rats, that they actually will worship rats, you know, and they're pouring out milk. I mean, they're, they're dirt poor, but they're using what they have to buy milk to, to satisfy rats. I remember a friend of mine from India telling me that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> just, just think of those things, right? Think of what we dealt with when we were reading through Exodus, Right. And, and we're still in Exodus, but uh, the, the earlier chapters of Exodus and what God was dealing with, the, uh, the, the, the false worship that was happening in that, uh, the, the reading that we saw and what was happening in Egypt. They're worshiping all kinds of things. God's like, you want flies? Here are your flies. You want lice? Here's your lice. You know, you want locusts? Here's your locusts. You know, he's, he's showing them all these things, and he poured out judgment upon their false gods that they were uh, that they were worshiping. Now, this mindset came all the way from the beginning in Genesis chapter three, verse five, where where uh, Adam and Eve, Eve specifically, was being told by Satan, you know, that has God really said, and and they have the whole discussion. You won't surely die. And he says, but you'll be like God. That's the problem with, with mankind. We want to be like God. It, it's not necessarily uh, a, a bad thing to want to be with God, but to want to be God is the problem, right? 
we saw that that was his own uh, demise. And, and that's explained in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That the, the it's it's satanic. The mindset that we want to reject God and do our own thing is satanic. That we put ourselves on the throne. That's the problem, right? Okay, so if we've got every I don't know 7 billion people on this earth and everybody's got themselves on the throne. We get what we're dealing with right now, right? Just look at this world. It's in total chaos. Look at this country. Nobody knows. Like, like, can I say this? Can I do this? And I, I might offend somebody here. Or, uh, hey, you know what? I, I can't do anything about it. They wanted it. They took it. You know, do I really want to take them to jail? I take them to, to court and deal with those things and hold them accountable? Uh, whatever. You know, there, it's there's craziness reigning in this world. There's still a light in this world. God, God is still at work. Don't get me wrong. But when you consider, if everybody had the mindset, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And there's no government. There's, there's no, uh, no book to tell us. There's no Bible that tells us how we're supposed to live. We are going to take what we want. There's going to be spiritual anarchy and physical anarchy. Happen. Anarchy can never last. right? Because what happens in anarchy? Somebody rises up as the ruler. And then they set their own rules. Although they're not supposed to be any. So I don't think anybody's a true anarchist either. Because there's always going to be somebody in charge. You can't just have everybody in the same amount of chaos. You just can't. There's always going to be somebody else in charge. So man refused to worship and, uh, and serve the creatures, so they fashioned gods that resemble man and animals and rats and golden calf, right? We went through that in our study. The pursuit and exaltation of man uh, resulted in complete moral decay. Verse 24 Therefore, because of all this, God gave also uh, sorry, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Because of man's rejection of God and the exaltation of self, uh, this is uh, this is explaining that therefore God gave them up. This is used three times here in these next few verses: verse 24, verse 26, and verse uh, 28. Now, to describe to for us to have a an understanding of what this giving of uh, up of uh, themselves means, Hosea chapter 4 verse 17 uh, says that Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Ephraim's joined to idols. Let him alone. This is God saying, you know what? They want to join themselves to idols. Let them be. And they're going to experience their own wrath of God uh, that, that's going to be evident because they're going to see how, uh, how uh, at fault they are when it gets to the point of the craziness. Do you want to join to idols? Look at the craziness that they have going on in their lives. And God is going to point out to them and show them all of the craziness that you soon come to at one point, right? That that craziness is a result of your will. 
because you rejected my will. So this is when it says that God gave them up to uncleanness. So left to their own devices, we see what's going to happen in man. He gave them up to uncleanness. Now this word uncleanness uh, in the Greek is speaking of sexual uncleanness and demonic uncleanness. Uh, this is the only time it's used in the New Testament. So we, what we see here is a move in the argument that's being uh, being um, presented by Paul, and he's uh, moving from idolatry to immorality here as we as we progress through this. If we're our own God and do as we wish, there's no fear of uh, of judgment or accountability here. So uh, when when that exists in our lives, that of uh, that. Um, idolatry exists in our lives, we get to this point of immorality that's being explained here. So, uh, And he says that man exchanged uh, the glory of God for shame, incorruption for corruption, truth for lies. And what is the result, right? It's man's rejection and abandonment of truth, and uh, God gave them over to what they desired. You want this? You can have it. I've told you you shouldn't have it. But if, if you're, if you're uh, stubborn and that's where you want to go, then you're going to go. And you're also going to reap what you sow, right? We, just, we can't sow uh, one thing and expect the other to come out. It's just not going to happen. It's the result of what they were dealing with. Sexual uncleanness and demonic uncleanness is where we're going to. Uh, it, it's going to progress into that as we, as we study here. So the continuing uh, to reject the truth. Even what we know about the truth. You know, how does that come about? Where it says exchanging the truth of God for the lie. The lie. That man can be his own God. And should serve himself. And, and do whatever they want rather than the creator. You know we, we already talked about it. Genesis 3. No. You will be like God. You want to be like God. You want to. You know. You like him right. You could be just like him. You just need to do this. You just need to disobey him. And you'll be just like him. Doesn't make any sense, right? But our sinful flesh likes to hear some certain certain things, and then we're gonna, uh, you know, follow those things. Worship and serve the creature rather than Creator. We are created to worship. That's believe it or not, uh, we are. We're gonna worship something. That's just it's in our being. It's in our our innermost being. We are created to worship. So we're gonna worship something, and uh, having rejected worshiping God. Paul is saying that man was left with creating false gods. And, it, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, all these false gods all had sinful desire. They all, they all served a, a, and, and pointed to a sinful desire, like pleasure, like um, riches, power, all selfish things, right? That's why people are like, oh, I like this one, so I'm going to go along that line, right? Choose your God. What do you want to serve? It's never like doing good, right? Like giving. I'm going to serve the God of giving, right? Because then you'd have to be serving our God, right? But there, there was never like, oh, hey, we're, we're just going to set this up and there's this, this, this God that, uh, because it was all self-serving, all self-seeking. Not that they didn't want to deceive themselves into thinking and create things that, oh, well, this is the, the gracious one or this is the, but they're all man-made. They're all fake. But the true worship of God is, is what was uh, being rejected. They wanted to serve the creature rather than the creator. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So he's talking about money, finances, you know, uh, just building things up for ourselves. 
No one can serve two masters. Romans 6, 16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? We're going to serve something. Sin or we're going to serve the Lord. Obedience leading to righteousness. Essentially, God gives us free will. It wants it, you know, that free will, God wants us to pursue him. He wants us to want him. But God's not going to force us into it. He didn't create a bunch of robots that were just walking around and because then is there true love between us and our creator? No, he 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 begs, I don't want to say God begs us. He beckons us. He calls us. He's like, just, just come. Just come. I've made every way. Just come to me. But we can be so hard-hearted and so hard-headed, and we want to do our own thing, and we don't want to serve him. But we can't do that. We're either serving God or we're serving ourselves. That's it. Now, Paul's building quite a case against man. Chose idolatry, led to immorality, right? Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Said that we were going to talk about this uh, when we started this study. Great deal of love for those that are in these lifestyles. But according to the word of God, it's sin. And it needs to be turned from, just like every other sin. Every other sin. Right? Because we can look and go, well, hey, I'm not one of those. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. And I'm pretty sure all of us can fit into one of the little categories that are listed there. Right? Specifically, what Paul is saying is that this Rejection of God and the diving into idolatry and the immorality it got to is is that uncleanness. Like I said, that that uncleanness, sexual uncleanness, demonic uncleanness is what's being described here. This, so this is the second he gave them up, right? We we talked about uh, the one in twenty four. This is twenty six, and then there's another one in twenty eight. God gave them up because not, not only uh, they desired to, but they lived out that desire to worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator. This is the result, and it went the way of sin, they went the way of sinful man, and it led to vile passions. The indulgence of sinful behavior got so th to this point where there's uh, there's uh, depravity, moral corruption, and what's described here as vile passions. Now, when you think of something being vile, that's pretty deep, isn't it? When somebody says that's vile, vile passions. Paul explains what he means here. Women with women, what is against nature? Men with men, leaving women, burning in their lust for one another. Committing what is shameful. Leviticus 18.22 says this. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20 verse 13 says. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman. Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. The wrath. right? The penalty of their error which was due. God's wrath. Now. Homosexuality still exists in the world today. It hasn't been wiped out by God's wrath. But we have to understand, just like any other sin, 
God is calling them out of this. He doesn't want them to experience his wrath. If God wanted all of mankind to experience his wrath, he wouldn't have sent his son. He wouldn't have spoken of salvation. He wouldn't have spoken of restoration. But he made that way so that we can be redeemed. And we're going to get into that further in our study in, in Romans, and we'll spend a lot of time there. But when, when we see what's being described here is men with men committing what is shameful. Now, many will say that because this is the Old Testament, it no longer applies. It's being addressed in the New Testament right now. Guys, we can't go with our own will. What do we see in the whole study that we've done this morning? We've seen man choosing man's will and serving man's will over God's and what that's led to already. Serving these fake gods that were made, right? And being, being willing to worship, you know, beasts and bugs and, uh, you know, creeping things and everything. It's weird, right? It doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a steady decline. That's what's happened. We can't redefine things. We can't say, well, God didn't really mean that. And that, that's not what it means now. You know, when you consider where it's talking about these things being unnatural, being against nature, um, I'll say this. Uh, consider the natural anatomy, right? Those things aren't designed to go together, right? Two women can't consummate their marriage. can't become one flesh. Heard that once on a on a uh, on a um, call in show. I don't listen to a lot of political things. I found myself just getting wound up, but I did hear that one day and it stuck with me. I think it's a Howie Carr show or something, and somebody Howie's like, "Well, explain this, right? There's a nature that God set forth. There's a pers there's a prescribed order that God set forth, and he did, he explained it when he created man, that man and woman should come together." And that they should leave their family. Just look into Genesis 2 because I'm probably going to. I'm not trying to quote the scripture here. I'm just saying, uh, you know, paraphrasing, that the two shall become one flesh, right? Man with woman. So if we know people, if we've uh, lived in this lifestyle, you find yourself living, not even in this one, but in any type of sexual sin that's being described here, understand that God calls us to repent from that. We cannot live in that. We can't make provision for it and let our will determine whether we're going to continue in that or not. We have to submit our will to God's will. We have to. That's what the scriptures tell us. Repent and turn to Christ and be washed, be changed. I told you we we're going to read it. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous, right? What was, what was being described here in verse 18? Right? The unrighteousness, the ungodliness, and the unrighteousness. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, revilers. What's revelry? Partying. Anybody ever partied in here? I'll put up two hands. Right? We don't, please don't raise your hands. Please do not raise your hands. I'm not asking for like public profession here and all that stuff. But right, if we're, if we're reading this, right? Right? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, sex outside of marriage, idolaters, those who have chosen to serve something other than God. 
adulterers, those who would have, uh, that are married, that would have sex with somebody else outside of their marriage. Homosexuals, we're just men with men, women with women, right? Sodomites, along the same lines, right? Nor thieves. Ever stolen anything? <laughs> Don't answer, right? Don't answer. Nor covetous. Ever really, 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 really wanted something somebody else had? And it, oh, it just consumed you? That's covetousness, right? Drunkards? Uh-oh, <laughs> right? Any of us that had you know, the bad old days when we were growing up? Teenagers, early 20s, hopefully that's where it ended. Uh, if, if anybody got into that stuff, right? Nor revilers, partiers, extortioners, those who would just take advantage of people. It says that those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. Thank God for verse 11, right? And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's the Guys, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? If we're in Christ, we don't have to face that condemnation. That might be our old, our old uh, way of living our lives. We might have checked off several boxes in there. Right? That's, it might be one of those things. Guess what? God offers the same redemption to everybody. What we're seeing here is that mankind, all of us, stand guilty before God. We do, for the sins that we've committed. God is pure. He's holy. And when, when we've committed any of those, then we fall under the category. Right? And, and, if, and if we say we don't, if we've never committed a lie, or we've never stolen, or any, okay, just, if you've never stolen, you've done all these things, Save never lied. You never, never stretch the truth a little bit, right? That all of us, what we understand is that all have sinned, and we'll get into this further in our study in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'll take God's word over our opinions, right? We need God. We're going to finish this out. Verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over, the third, one, third time that's mentioned, to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's a long list of a lot of things. They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. Right? That rejection that we've seen that we've been reading through and studying through this morning. They didn't even like to, contain, uh, to retain God in their knowledge. So, as you know, I, I heard Ken Graves share this years ago. He said, God's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon us. If we want to reject him, he'll plead with us. But essentially, he'll say, okay, okay, you can, you can go. Go ahead. But what is God's plea to us? Please, just come. God wants us to come to him. But if we don't want to, then God will give us over. You want that? And we see the result that comes 
uh, from that, a debased mind. God gave them over to a debased mind. So here, here's a, a bit of uh, the unwillingness to repent, impenitence. They're not, they're not willing to repent. So God gave them over, acting like he doesn't exist, and uh, they don't want the accountability of God. So uh, they wanted to reject God, so God allowed them to go. And he gives them over to that debased mind. Man does his own will, and we see the disastrous results. It's just, it's just what happens. Guys, understand, some people can live extremely moral lives. They're not sitting here, but they're also not holding people up and doing any of these things. But when you look at this list of, of what's, what's in here, unrighteousness, right? Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy. That's an easy one. Envy. That person shouldn't have that. I do this. I should have that. That's envy. <laughs> right? If that's resided in our hearts, guess what? Murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. And what, what, is, what is the character that comes out from them when they're in these mindsets? They're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters. Right? Inventors of evil things. It's interesting. A disobedient to parents. Any kids in here? Your parents didn't ask me to add that. All right. It's just it's in here. It's in the scriptures. Right. I got three of mine right over there. Undiscerning. Undiscerning. That's quite. We need to be discerning. We need to be able to to test something out. Wait a minute. Is this right? Is it wrong? What's what's going on here? Not be foolish. Untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. These are the fruits of their lives that Paul is saying. This is the result of all those things. It's the exact opposite of what God's character is and what He expects we uh, to for, uh, what He expects from us for for uh, us to embrace and for us to share it with this world. We're called to be loving, just like He is. He's loving, forgiving, merciful. To be trustworthy, right? The scriptures tell us, let our yes be yes. Let our no be no. We would honor our parents. That's actually in the, the Ten Commandments, right? It's the first one that has a promise attached to it. Honor, you know, honor your parents. Do good to others. Right? Galatians 5 verse, uh, verses 22 and 23 say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. All of these things are breaking the law of God. All these things that were mentioned before, but the fruit of the Spirit's different. The Christian should conduct ourselves in a different manner, be bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It says in verse 32, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And it says here, but if you look in the beginning of verse uh, 32, it's easy to get drawn to the end of the verse. The beginning of it, the righteous judgment of God. God is justified in his judgment of this rebellion against him. Both those that practice and approve of these, uh, the, the wickedness being described there stand guilty before God. Those who practice it and those who approve it. Let, let, think about that, right? Those who practice and those who approve. Just the last verse I think I have for you today. Proverbs 11, verse 19. 
as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. I'm going to read that one more time. It's probably up there. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Now consider again, we're in that courtroom setting and Paul's uh, presenting the evidence against us. We, there's no denying. Anybody who's like honestly looking and reading what Paul is saying, there's no denying. Even, okay, if you want to take all the morality out of it and you just want to look at, at, at the world that we exist, much of science is even saying, no, there's, there, we didn't evolve. Okay, that's probably not it. We're going to embrace uh, uh, an intelligent designer. Who's the intelligent designer? Aliens, right? You know, that's going to be the next thing, right? It, well, it already is the next thing, I should say. But Paul is, uh, you know, this is a strong case against sinful man. And it's, uh, when we consider what Paul is trying to explain, where he's trying to get the reader of the need for righteousness, right? We talked about that, that we're uh, those four sections uh, of, of the book. The only prescription and remedy is, is repentance. That's it. That's the only thing that can save us from that wrath of God is repenting. And we're going to get there in our study, but I can't just say, hey, guess what, guys? The wrath of God. See you later. <laughs> right? I, the good news, right? The gospel, right? We get to share the good news. There's the bad news, and then right, you want the bad news first, the good news, all those things. Take the bad news, and the good news is that there is repentance. But there's absolutely no hope that mankind's going to fix itself. If you guys figured that out, we're not getting any better, right? Just look at the life. I look at the lifetime of my parents. Now, there was a lot of like quiet sin, uh, not in my parents, my parents, but in those days, right? If you want to look back into how oppressive uh, uh, things were uh, for the African American community in in the United States, and just even even in the fifties, right? Where uh, you know even even uh, many churches were were uh, considering them uh, to still be just worthy of uh, being slaves, right? And not equal, not uh, as created as an equal human being. Just in in my parents' lifetime where things have gone, and you've probably heard this before if you've been at this church or Orrington, but you think of what has happened within the schools. The problems used to be chewing gum in school. Seriously, talking, chewing gum, right? I'm seeing some heads. Anybody like gone to school, it's okay, you can write, right? That was the problem, right? And Was anybody here, was the Bible, uh, in, in a public school, was the Bible read? In, in your, right, okay? The Bible has been outlawed in, in, in America. In, in public schools to be read as a as as a textbook. Think of, it, that's just in one lifetime. Paul wrote this two thousand years ago. Look where we're at. We can't even say that this is right or this is wrong without things being hate speech. Not hate. I hope nobody takes what I just said as hate because it's not. Because I can identify with myself as a sinner just like any of those that were just listed in there. I shouldn't be conducting myself in those things. But we have to understand man is too sinful to be able to turn this around. We're too sinful. We love ourselves too much. That's the problem. That's, that, that's the problem. Not going to turn it around. We can't reject the creator and uh, his, his, uh, the uh, commands that he has laid forth, his law. Uh, we can't reject all those things and, and expect everything to just stay in order. We can't. Because look how it's just, uh, just it's a downward spiral. When man abandons God and his word, 
uh, this is the result of those things. So thank God that there is grace, that there's mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ for every sinner. You know, we haven't gotten to the point in Paul's uh, writing where he's going to uh, explain the salvation in Jesus, but I have to uh, as I'm up here today as I'm sharing this. So uh, now I, I do believe that when this letter, but so we stop here, but I do have to believe that, that those that were reading this in Rome, they didn't stop and be like, all right, guys, we're going to read the rest of it next week. I'm pretty sure they sat there and they listened to all of it, right? You know, so I encourage you, go home. And just start diving into this so that when we go through, we're just the, the whole point in coming to church is for us to be gathered together around in his word. But we should be feeding ourselves when we're not here. Right. So I encourage you dive into this, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get together and uh, and we'll discuss these things. Just it's it's an amazing study as we progress through. <clears throat> God is so good. So good. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word, and we ask, Lord, that you continue to help us to learn and to grow. Lord, if there's repentance needed in our lives, I pray that it would happen before anybody leaves this church today or puts their head on the pillow tonight, that we would make things right with you. We don't want the—we want your blessings, Lord. We don't want wrath. Help us to realize that your blessings and us laying down our will for yours is always the best thing we can do for us. And that your blessings that come from that will always, always bless our lives more than our own will and the result of our own will. Lord, we pray that you would continue to build and strengthen us in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great rest of your day.